welcome. This is the Dating Counselor Podcast, the show that takes you out of the dating game and into a successful relationship. I'm Lonnie Harmon, and I'm a licensed therapist, and I am the Dating Counselor. Thanks for listening. So what does it take to create a successful relationship? Well, that is the question that I am out to answer in teaching you my new class, The Relationship Screening Method. Go over to thedatingcounselor.com, click under Courses, and learn more about this new course that I'm offering on a virtual platform that also comes with weekly live coaching sessions with yours truly. So that's again, go to thedatingcounselor.com, look under courses and look up the relationship screening method so that you can actually apply the method to then begin creating your successful relationship. Hi, thank you guys so much for joining me for today's podcast. I wanted to give an advanced um, kind of trigger warning for this episode. We're going to be talking about gaslighting and if it's, it's something that you have experienced in your life or you're currently experiencing, um, I have a guest on and she shares some of her story and while we don't make anything graphic, I just want you to know that it can bring up some feelings for you um, and just to make sure you reach out and, and connect with someone and talk through this. Um, also, in hindsight, as I listened to this podcast after we recorded it, I realized that we do create some light moments, I think because that's the nature of the dynamic of the person in, that I interview and I, we, we um, find a little bit of humor in things, but that's not to say that this isn't a serious subject. And then also just wanted to kind of say like, I think we just scratched the surface Um, I don't intend for this to be an all-encompassing, like, go-to, hey, if you want to know exactly what gaslighting is, listen to this and you'll be fully informed. And in fact, really, this should just give you an idea and you should start thinking, hey, is this happening to me and what can I do about it? Um, And hopefully, if anything, that this episode just empowers you to get help and to seek uh, information and find out what to do and how how to change that dynamic. Um, you, you also might notice some of this inside yourself, um, and it's okay to get help. It's okay to stop and, um, make things better. So wish you the best and hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, welcome to the building a successful relationship podcast. I am your host, Lonnie Kennington Harmon. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And today I have a special guest with me introducing what's your name? Tell us your name. Shawnee Kennington Johnson. We share a last name. This is my sister. Hello. She is a delight. And I am glad that she is willing to do this podcast with me. This podcast is on gaslighting. And it has been on my heart for years. Years and years. And I really hope that we can convey the message of what it is very clearly so that all of my listeners can can understand when it's happening to them and take the steps to correct it. When did you first hear that term? Do you even remember gaslighting? I don't think I had ever heard the term until maybe like five to seven years ago. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, I've been married now for 11 years, so it was well into my marriage that I had learned what this what this was. Yeah, and is it something that you were like, oh, obviously this term means this, or is it something you're like, okay, I have to remember, gaslighting means... Oh, no, I definitely have to, it's something, it took a little while to sink in, and I still sometimes have to go, you know, remind myself of the definition, is this person gaslighting, is this situation a gaslighting situation it's not something that really sunk in for me really quickly yeah same and I think even with my background in learning so many of these psychological terms I think it's one of those that you have to kind of go okay this is what it is so let's talk about what it is it is um, to manipulate someone by psychological means so that you're getting them to question their own sanity um, a gaslighter personality is a highly manipulative individual. They could be charismatic and charming or mysterious and hard to read. People who engage in gaslighting recognize manipulative behaviors and know they are doing them. These individuals use different tactics based on how they come across to others. Gaslighting is a form of persistent manipulation and brainwashing that causes the victim to doubt on themselves and ultimately lose their own sense of perception, identity, and self-worth. It can occur in a personal relationship or at work or even in the entire society. That's important to note these days. <laughs> these days, that is good to know. Um, a lot of, I, I will cite my resources at the end, but just so you know, there's a lot of sources on this podcast. Um, personal insights added, but also a lot of sources because this is a loaded topic. So Shawnee has a bachelor's in theater so why don't you tell us, where did it get its name from? From The phrase originated from a 1938 mystery thriller written by a British playwright. His name was Patrick Hamilton, and it was called Gaslight. It was made into a popular movie in 1994 that starred... 44. Jordan. Or 44. 1944. I, what did I say? 94. Oh, sorry. 1944. Came out right along with Father of the Bride. No, <laughs> just kidding. It starred Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer. Um, so in the film, um, Gregory manipulates his adoring, trusting wife, Paula, into believing she can no longer trust her own perceptions of reality. Ooh, so 1944. This you got to think time in the United States. This is during the war. The war didn't end until, um, well, the war, World War II. Um, it didn't end until 1945. So interesting that this kind of came out during that time. One of the scenes that where they got the term is that Gregory's causing the gas lights in the house to flicker by turning on, excuse me, by turning them on in the attic of the house. So when Paula asks why the gas lights are flickering, he insists that that's not really happening. And that's all in her mind, causing her to doubt her self-perception. Hence the term gaslighting was born. So an easy way to think about this, if you're trying to remember, is that it's making you doubt your reality. So these are people that are not going to directly answer your questions. They're going to be indirect. So you could say, I was just watching. I can think of a political, so I will be. Well, I was. Okay. So I, I like to, I like to watch a lot of, um, I don't know. I feel like it's good TV, but maybe people don't. So I've been recently watching the millionaire matchmaker because I just, I, I don't know. I think, I think she's got some good insights in the way that she she does some things. She's got a terrible mouth, but that's, um, she was interviewing a guy trying to figure out like if he wanted love 
And every time she would ask him a question, he didn't answer. Like it was simple, like, do you want love? And his answer was like, this is the time of my life. And like, just really causing her to kind of go like, okay, so I asked you a question. The answer is like, yes or no. And that's not exactly gaslighting, but it's like one of those things that I always look at when I'm going, okay, so you're not answering the question. Mm -hmm. You're making me feel like I asked you a different question. You're answering something different. Well, it totally is a form of gaslighting. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you're making me seem like I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, oh, did I ask a different question? I don't yeah. understand. Um, so my brave sister had this happen to her in a relationship in high school. And I would I would I would like to share that story with you guys because I think it's really powerful. But I also want you to just kind of know too that this is it's really brave of her to come out and share it. So, um, no judgments here. Um, can you tell us like, obviously non-identifying information. You had a plethora of boyfriends. I did. (laughs) A plethora. (laughs) Um, tell me, um, maybe what you feel comfortable with as far as like how you met and the beginning of the relationship. So we met in high school. I had... I, growing up, I was always kind of boy crazy. Um, and right when I turned 16, I got into like a two year relationship. So it was like just over two years, really long, really serious. It was definitely, you know, like just the two of us. Um, I was very codependent. Um, it was probably kind of unhealthy, but he was a really good guy. Um, and after that was when this started. So I think, um, what happened was that he probably saw that I was very weak and easily manipulated because he knew that I had just gotten out of this long-term relationship. And I was only 18. Um, and I had just gotten out of this, like I said, a two-year relationship. And we met in a theater class in high school. We were actually cast opposite each other in a show. And we were cast as love interests in a show. So I remember this time a little bit because I had just gotten back from my mission. And, you know, you guys, me coming home from my mission, I was uh, annoying would be a nice she way to put so, it. She was so annoying. <laughs> I she was would like. Come in my room at like six in the morning and be like, time for scriptures. And I'd be like, you need to leave. <laughs> I and it was like, let's set goals, right? So I I um, was at home. She was at home. Our rooms were kind of across the hall from each other. And so I kind of got to see this start. And I felt like it was a fast start. Oh, we dove right in. I mean, I had come out of this two-year relationship. So that's what I was used to. Like I being in a relationship? To, yeah, I was used to being in a relationship and being like super serious and... I can't think of the word when it's just like just the two of us, like obviously monogamous, but like absorbed uh, with each other or obsessed with each other. I mean, not absorbed. I mean, we were absorbed. With each other. <laughs> <laughs> we were obsessed with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like, he was at family dinner all of a sudden. He was like, anytime we were together as a family doing anything, he was there. It was like, we all had a relationship with him too because he was there all the time it was like you never saw one without the other yeah right do you see that now as a warning sign 
Yes, but I definitely didn't at the time. Yeah, because do you think it was just your age or what? I think it was just my age and also just it was what I wanted. It was, yeah. I wanted that stability. Mm-hmm. I wanted to feel wanted and I wanted to feel safe and I wanted to feel like I was in a secure relationship. Mm-hmm. And it was like easier to just dive right in. Don't you feel like sometimes too, when you hear other people's stories about how they fell in love with their person that they are like, Oh, we just knew right away. And so we just, it was so fast, like first date and then fast forward, we were married. So you almost tend to think that if it doesn't go super fast and we're not all in, it's not quote unquote real love. That's true. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I also thought like we were the exception to the rule. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I was like, this is a fairy tale we are high school sweethearts. We're going to last. It's going to work. We're so in love with each other. And it was so fast, but I just felt like we were the exception to the rule. That's how he made me feel. Oh, wow. Look. Yeah. So as the relationship progressed, like what made it go to like, because I remember the guy you were dating before that and it wasn't this. Not at all. Mm-hmm. So... Maybe just share with us a little bit about what, like, what it was like to be with him. Like, are you guys walking to each other to class? Are you? Oh, no. We were together all the time. Okay. Like how? All the time. What if you didn't have class together? Or like, what? Sorry, what? Like, what if you didn't have class together? Or how? Was there any time apart? We were always texting each other. Oh, okay. Always texting each other. So one of the things that he did to, to make me get closer to him and and gain sympathy for him was he had told me that he had a really tumultuous family relationship okay so he he was not living at home anymore and this was weird because we were seniors in high school and seniors in high school live at home with their families Mm -hmm. and he had told me about how awful his dad was and that they had this awful relationship and that his dad had kicked him out of the house and he was on his own So he had a job, which was like, honestly, kind of rare for the people that I went to high school with, like not everyone had jobs. So I was like, oh, he's so responsible. Look at this. Like he's planning for his future. He's already living on his own. Like he was living with his friend's family. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just made me gain a lot of sympathy for him. I felt very, very bad for him. Like you needed to take care of him too? Yes. Wow. I didn't know that. So he's preying on you for your sympathies as well as just like you being in his life all the time. Yes. Okay. Um, did you early on or maybe within the first like six months start noticing things that you were like, that you look back now and you go, okay, that was gaslighting. He was manipulating me. He was trying to make me, you know, like kind of starting that brainwashing process or that grooming process. I remember process. like for our first date, um, he picked me up. So we had been cast in this show together and we had class together. So we knew each other Um, and we had been texting and he had been telling me about his ex-girlfriend and like, because he had just gotten out of a serious relationship too. I mean, as serious as you can be in high school, but he had just gotten out of a serious relationship too and was telling me all about that. And I remember on our first date, we made cookies and we made pumpkin chocolate chip cookies and he had us mix them together with our hands, which is like super gross. Like, yeah. Like at the time I was like, okay, whatever. And he was like, this means we're making them with love. And I was like, oh, okay. And so a little backstory on that. My, my boyfriend prior to that, 
the one that I did for two years, told me he loved me like two times. Mm -hmm. Because he was very much like, I'm not going to tell you I love you unless I want to like marry you. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, he didn't think he, he didn't know if he wanted to marry me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was not used to hearing someone tell me that they loved me. That wasn't like my family. Like our family is very much, we always heard I love you at home. Mm -hmm. But I had never heard that from another person toward me. And so when he was like, we're making these cookies of love, I think that was kind of like, oh. And so I was just like putty in his hands, honestly. Hmm. And then like really odd. Yeah. The stuff with his family. Mm -hmm. Um. Once I met his family, I was like, this is weird because his family was great. Yeah, I remember you like hung out with his family a little bit. Oh, yeah. Like they were a little peculiar, but like who isn't? And like his dad was really weird. And I could see that they had like a pretty tense relationship, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like what he had told me. And like Mm -hmm. he could have stayed living at home. Like they didn't kick him out of the house. That was his choice. I mean, I still don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. his dad did kick him out, but it's their family was really close. So I like, but maybe it was would have been repairable. Yes. Okay. So that maybe is another little kind of indicator too. Is like something that was repairable. They didn't want to repair, and they maybe sought some attention and sympathy out of it. Oh, a hundred percent. Like he made me feel so bad for him. So, and what, what, how did that make you behave in terms of feeling bad for him? Like, is that why he was always with our family? Oh, yeah. He was always with our family because he didn't have one of his own. I remember, I do remember you kind of like defending like mom and dad are like, let's just do our family tonight. And you're like, no, he has to be here. Yeah, it's because I felt like he didn't have a family, which is so weird because his family was great. Mm -hmm. And I think he excluded himself from the family more than they excluded him. So, wow. So one of the ways he's manipulating you is just telling you a different story than what you're actually seeing with your own eyes and like as you interact with them. Yeah, so absolutely. But I still believe what he said. So he there's this really, really verbal different. exchange and you're like, okay, so this must be true. And your perception is 100% true. And so I'll just, I will behave according to your perception. Absolutely. Did he ever get mad if you challenged him or said like, maybe you should talk to your dad and repair it or go hang out with I your mom? I honestly, I honestly never tried. I believed him so wholeheartedly that I never challenged him. Did you challenge him on anything? Like, do you remember any time saying? After he got back from his mission, I did. Okay. So let's go into like the different kind of areas. There's um, different ways that you manipulate people, obviously manipulating their emotions, making them believe that something um, that they're feeling and experiencing isn't real. Um, there's spiritual manipulation, there's physical manipulation. Um, what do you feel comfortable sharing with that? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like I honestly am kind of an open book. If you, whatever you want to know, I feel like there were aspects of all of it. Okay. We'll share. Let's, let's take a break here for a second and then we'll come back and jump in. Okay, welcome back. We have my sister Shawnee here and she is sharing with us her experience of being in a relationship where she had a gaslighter. So let's talk a little bit about what he made others think about him versus what he showed you. This is a tricky part for me because I feel like I wasn't the only one that he was gaslighting. Okay. I feel like he definitely gaslighted me the most. Okay. 
But I think he kind of was playing this card for everyone. Like everyone, like teachers, friends? Everyone, like at school. Okay. Like, it was always, my dad kicked me out. You know, I have this horrible home life. I have no home. I have no family. I bought this car on my own. It's a piece of crap. And I work so hard. I have this job. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I was not the only one that he told that. Okay. Do you feel like he did that to gain sympathy for maybe homework extensions or? No, I think it was just like to feel bad for him. I don't think he really tried to get any like, I mean, that I know of. I don't think he tried to get like homework extensions or anything out of it, but it was just kind of like. He liked that poor me. Yeah. Thing. And then he liked the sympathy that he would like. He kind of got a high off the sympathy from other people. Yeah. Okay. So is he, sh- is, is he showing you other ways behind the doors I guess I'm just wondering like if we if we can jump into the spiritual and the physical I believed that you guys were not having a physical relationship I believed that he was like an active Mormon yeah and that you guys were like going to young men and young women and you know, I mean, we did go to him. <laughs> but I guess I'm just saying, like, that's what he showed. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I think there was a little bit of grooming that happened there. Do you know what I mean by grooming? Yes. Okay, so... But you can explain if you want. So grooming is basically just slowly getting someone to acquiesce to do what you want them to do. Um, yes. Usually it happens with physical relationships. Yes. Where they're just kind of, like, slowly progressing to the way they want you to behave and they um, do it by making you feel like it's unique, special, also a little bit of shame. Like don't tell anybody they might get mad. Secret keeping, secret keeping is like a, yeah. Um, I remember we went to Vegas with Mm -hmm. his family showing what a bad family relationship he has. We went on a family vacation with them because his sister was getting married. Mm Mm-hmm. And we stayed in Prim, which mm-hmm. is like 45 minutes from Vegas. And I just remember um, at the hotel, like things started to get pretty physical. And I remember being like, I don't really want to, like, because we had our boundaries. Like it was, it, I mean, just with church stuff, like we knew what we could and what we couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, like outwardly, you were both active and committed to that law of chastity. And his family is, is about half and half okay but he was like this like he was like their spiritual titan like he was that was what he showed yes he was like the oldest boy and he was gonna like carry the priesthood for their family and be so good and then behind closed doors it was not like that at all it was not like that at all like he wanted to go further and further and further and further and made me feel like that's what I wanted to do Okay. But that's not what I wanted to do. And I had expressed that before. Mm-hmm. Did so he just, ever, like, listen and say, oh, you're right, I'm so sorry? Or was it all... Oh, 100%. He'd be like, yes, we're so awful. Like, we shouldn't be doing this. And, you know, I'm the worst. Like, made me feel so bad for him again. Like, it was all on me. Like, it was all my fault. Like, how could we do this? Just makes me want to punch him in the throat. <laughs> not, not there. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie? What happens in Vegas? 
haven't seen it. Okay, so this is this is how I feel. I'll, I'll tell you this part. There's a part where um, it's with Cameron Diaz and um, oh, cannot remember his name, Ashton Kutcher, and they get married. And anyway, there's this this part where she says to, I just want to go punch him right in the nuts and say, you know why? Truly. Oh, and so at the end, the friend goes to the other guy for anyway and just opens the door and punches him and just says, you know why? <laughs> and the guy doesn't know him or anything. He just, <laughs> you know why? So Vegas and then like how soon after that before it was like. Fully physical? Mm-hmm. Not long. Not long at all. Maybe a couple weeks. And then what did it feel like after as far as, is he blaming you? Is he blaming you guys together? Like, where's the accountability after that? Where's that put? There wasn't any, really. There was no more like, oh, I'm so sorry. It was like. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Was Did you ever feel like, hey, let's have a conversation about. I mean, I guess the thing that's interesting to me, too, is like. When it happens and it's shameful, like, do you even have a conversation about, hey, I didn't have a good experience that time? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. No, 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 no. It was all, for lack of a better term, it was all a show. Mm-hmm. You know, like, everything was great, and this is exactly what I want to be doing, even though it's not what I want to be doing. And we've talked about that this isn't what I want to be doing, but we're going to do it anyway, I guess. So what did it feel like for you to kind of live that dichotomy that double like nobody else knows it was hard I couldn't I mean I didn't even really I think I had a couple of friends that knew about it Mm -hmm. um but I couldn't talk about it Mm -hmm. I mean I couldn't talk about it at all because especially in our culture it's like the worst thing you can do well I mean I think I I mean growing up that's what it was for me it was it was second to murder for me yeah I hate that um, I guess I'm, what I'm thinking though is like mom and dad are pretty approachable. Having said that, this isn't a very easy subject to approach. No. What made it? Did he say no, 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 or were you just like absolutely not? I'm not telling them. Oh, I was. I was absolutely not. I'm not telling them. Do you, what do you think he would have done if you did? Just curious. Uh, denied it probably. Yeah. Yeah. Or that- played the victim. I bet that made you feel crazy. It was awful. It was awful. And we got to the point where he, so he was living with his friend and his car, his crap car that he got had died. And so he was driving my car. Pea sugar? Yep. Pea sugar. He would take powdered sugar. He would take pea sugar. He would, he drove my car and would come pick me. It was my car. And he would come pick me up and take me to school and take me home. And then he would take the car. It was like we were married. It was so weird. And then he would sleep over, but mom and dad, of course, didn't know that. He would sneak in through my window and he would sleep over like every other night. Wowza. And he, I mean, I felt like I had to because I felt like this poor kid is homeless. Mm-hmm. Like he has no family. Mm-hmm. Like he's such, he's being a burden on everyone. Like I will save him. That's a lot to handle at 18. Oh, it was awful. And then I couldn't tell anyone. It was terrible. 
Did you ever had constant fear that I was going to get caught? Mm -hmm. Did you ever, what did you fear the outcome would be if you did get caught? That he wouldn't want to be with me anymore. That Mm. was the ultimate, the ultimate worst thing that could happen. What do you think that would have been like if you, if he would have said we're done? I think my world would have just shattered. I mean, I was already, when I broke up with that two year relationship before him, Mm -hmm. I was a mess, could not function. Like I did not know who I was by myself. Mm -hmm. And I think it would have been that times 10. I think I would have collapsed. I already struggled really bad with mental health problems that came about when I was like 14. And I think it would have really been bad. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's because he made me feel like he, I couldn't live without him. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to him going on a mission. Yeah. Freaking A. Okay. Yeah. How? He went on a mission. <laughs> so I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, did you ever be like, you know, you're not worthy, right? Like, was that ever something oh. you said out loud? I don't remember. I mean, we we obviously knew it. And I think it was just kind of the unspoken, like, you're not going to say anything. Am I going to say anything? Because I'm not going to say anything. You know? Uh-huh. And so he went and he was, I mean, he should not have gone. There's no way. No way. Uh, so he went and we wrote and he would, we would, we, I wrote him like every day. I thought it was the most romantic thing. Mm-hmm. like literally like every day I'd be like I wanted it to be like the notebook like when she's like when he's like I wrote you every day for a year I wanted to be that mm-hmm. like the most romantic thing ever um he like wrote me dirty letters sometimes Ooh. like on his mission and I was like this just shows how much he loves me he loves me so much like he can't wait to marry me we were planning our wedding through letters I was looking at wedding venues. Like, it was wonderful. And then when he was still on his mission, I talked to my bishop. That's so brave. How did that go? My bishop at the time was really great. Mm-hmm. I was in a singles ward. Mm-hmm. And he and during this whole time, I mean, I was writing him. I was dating other people, like casually dating but I was like, this is my missionary. Like everybody knew I had a missionary mm-hmm. and I was hanging out with his family. I'd go to his family's house multiple times a week, mm-hmm. like all the time. I was like best friends with his sister. Like I would babysit her kids. Like everyone just knew we were going to get married. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I knew that I wanted to get married in the temple. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I have to say something because we want to get married in the temple. Mm-hmm. And so I said something and my bishop was really, I mean, really nice about it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not the first time he's heard these things. Sure. But also at the time, I didn't know that I was being gaslighted and manipulated. I thought it was all my idea. Oh, wow. I thought it was all me. All you? Like he didn't have a part in it? I mean, no, I thought he had a part in it, but I thought, I thought it was mostly me. Wow. And so my bishop was really good. And he said, was it consensual? Like, did you have a say in this? And I said, yes. 100%. Oh my gosh. I love that question. Yeah. And I said, a hundred percent, like everything was great. It was all my idea. 
You said it was your... Oh, glory, Sean. Bless so, your heart. Bless your heart. So nothing happened. <laughs> I think I had to, like, not take the sacrament for a little while. Mm-hmm. But nothing happened with him. I wonder if that was, like, going down the chain. I have no idea. But he served his whole two years. Hmm. And then he got home, and then we were immediately physical again. Immediately. And I remember one time, I felt like a crazy person. What happened? I felt absolutely crazy. So we were physical right away. Like, hot and heavy right into it. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was, like, missing an action for a couple of days. And I was so upset. And I found out he had been at this girl's house in Logan... Like, and had stayed the night at her house, like, just as friends, he says. I mean, I don't know. That's bullshit. Yeah. Um, and I got really, really upset. And I was like, we're planning, like, a wedding here. Like, what's happening? And I just remember him saying, when we were talking about being physical, he was like, we shouldn't even be doing that. Like, he was, like, yelling at me. Like, it was me. Oh, wow. And I remember, I remember where we were even standing in the house when he was like, we shouldn't even be doing that. And he, like made me feel so small. Like I was the worst person in the world. And like, it was all my fault. Oh, sister. It was I'm awful. So sorry. And then he just made me feel like I was crazy. Like that I was crazy to be outraged that he had spent the night at someone else's house. Wow. Did that start helping you see that you weren't crazy? Like, how did you untangle that? No, I still felt like it was me. I felt like I was crazy. I was like, because I just thought he's the man of my dreams. This is, we are the exception to the rule. Mm -hmm. He's my high school sweetheart, you know? So how did it end? He dumped me. How soon after that? I want to say he got home, he got home in like October. And I think we broke up in like January, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe even before that. So what was that like for you? It was awful. It was awful. It was earth shattering for me. I had, he was my missionary. I mean, like I said, a thousand times, we were the exception to the rule. I just felt awful. I felt used. I felt disgusting. I mean, all of these lessons you hear in like young women's growing up, like no one wants a chewed piece of gum. I cannot even believe they taught that for the record. Like. Oh, it's awful. Awful. It's so damaging. Mm -hmm. It's so damaging. I just felt like, because at the time, while I didn't want to be doing what we were doing, I rationalized it by saying like, at least he's, we're going to get married. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Make it right. So to speak. Yeah. And so I just felt awful. And I just felt like he was still like this perfect guy I felt like he was going to do all these amazing things and I was going to do nothing. And his excuse for breaking up with me was that I didn't know what I wanted to be and I didn't want to go to college. And so he was like, I can't be with someone who doesn't have like those kind of ambitions. Oh, baloney. But I mean, I have a degree now, so. (laughs) Well, you have more than that. You're like mega successful. Thank you. You like... Super successful. Super successful. 
So when did you, okay, let's take a break here and then we're going to come back. I'm going to talk about identifying it. And then I want to hear a little bit about how you identified it. Okay. Welcome back. So we're going to um, talk about how you identify gaslighting. This is from psychologist Eleanor Greenberg. She just gives it quite concisely. She says there's three methods, methods, hiding. The abuser may hide things from the victim to cover up what they've done. Instead of feeling ashamed, the abuser may conceive the, convince the victim to doubt their own beliefs about the situation and turn the blame on themselves. Changing. The abuser feels the need to change something about the victim, whether it be the way the victim dresses or acts, they want the victim to mold into their fantasy. If the victim does not comply, the abuser may convince the victim that he or she is not in fact good enough. Control. The abuser may want full control to have power over the victim. In doing so, the abuser will try to seclude them from other friends and family so only they can have the influence on the victim's thoughts and actions. The abuser gets pleasure from knowing the victim is being fully controlled by them. So hiding, changing, and control. I feel like you can really see that so obviously in your story. I definitely see the hiding and the control. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I still have a hard time seeing any of the changing. Well, I do because I feel like that's, I mean, he needs to change your sexuality. Like, yeah. like he's molding that to what he wants. Like if you don't comply, he's going to tell you, I can't be with you. You're not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Asshole. Um, so when did you learn this is what he did? It took me a really long time. I still didn't see any of it. I mean, he he came to my wedding reception with his... I remember that. And I, if I wouldn't have been on crutches... Like his now wife and him are in some of our wedding reception photos. Should we have a burn party? <laughs> Truly. Um, I didn't see it. And we I think we actually even went on a couple of double dates with them. Because I was like, he's such a good guy. Like, he's just, like, he's had a hard life, which is, like, BS. Like, he was fine. He grew up in, like, Olympus Cove. Like, you're fine. <laughs> um, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> if you know, you know. So was it, like, years and years later, it sounds like, I mean, after you're married? Years and years. Probably, like, six years ago, maybe. Like when you learned the term. Yeah. So how did that shape or reshape your experience? I mean, I just knew I've been, I mean, I go to therapy. I've been in therapy for a long time, just for a lot of reasons. And I always just felt like it's not, it sounds weird to say I couldn't get over him, but it's not like I was still in love with him, but I was so hurt by what he done to me. I could not get over it. I could not get over it. I would think about it. I would sob about it. I felt like I was still not good enough. Oh, wow. Like, I was just this piece of shit, like, not good enough. And, I mean, honestly, still sometimes I'm like, am I crazy? No. But I'm serious. Like, sometimes I'm like, am I making this up? Like, did this happen? Is this real life? Yeah. I still feel that way. Like he still controls the narrative and I haven't seen him in years. Hmm. So sorry. 
I think that one of the one of the things that you do um, is you ask people though, like, did this happen? Is this real? What is your perspective? Sometimes you have to find people that you do trust to help you to see what the narrative actually is. Well, I mean, even just hearing you your side of things, like that's really validating for me that you were like, yeah, this happened, and you were bringing him around all the time, and like he was always there. Like, it just is validating for me to like I'm not crazy. Like this happened. No. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I feel like we've had this conversation a handful of times, but I've always tried to be delicate with you about it because I didn't know if or when you're ready to talk about it. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to talk about. I bet it is. I, I really appreciate you being willing to come on because I see this a lot in my practice and I need people to know that it's happening to them and, you know, kind of what to do about it. Um, identifying it can be really tricky, but yeah, I mean, at the time that I saw this happening to you, I didn't have the terms or the words either to know um, what was going on, but I definitely felt like it was weird. One one thing I remember um, was you guys were like brushing your teeth in the bathroom and I was, I had been dating a little, you know, at, around the time and um, I had this thought where I was like, would I am I comfortable enough with the guy I'm dating to brush my teeth with him in the bathroom? Like it was just one of those, like, that seems like they're really comfortable together. And it made me have an alarm bell go off. And I remember looking at you guys and being like, just so you know, you need to be careful and you're not the exception. Did you say that? I literally remember saying those exact words. And there was, I know now, but there was this look in his eyes as he looked at me like, does she know? And I just, I mean, with you, you were kind of like, I, I do what he says kind of yeah. thing. And I don't know why I, I chose those words other than, you know, looking back, I, some, something in me knew. Yeah. I wish I would have done something. I think that's the thing that's hard being on the other side of it is like, maybe, maybe why, again, why I'm so passionate, why this podcast has been on my mind why I do what I do with my work I hate the thought of having anybody go through something like this and education is half the reason that it happened we didn't know we didn't know what to call it we didn't know what to look for honestly if you had done anything at the time I would have chosen him oh I know 100% no 100% but I guess I'm just saying like I didn't know the words to say Hey, look for this, look for that. So that I could have at least been a good big sister and say, you do you, you have to be your own person. But if this is happening, that's what this is called. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Because I think that you, I mean, I can't save you from your own choices. That's not my job, but I definitely can be there to say like, if this is happening, which I think it might be, pay attention to that. And if you need an out, here's an out. Because if anything, I think you would have disentangled a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I was so, so manipulated. I mm-hmm. would have done anything. I would have done anything for him. Right. Well, I'm glad you figured out that he's a gaslighter. I mean, it's just weird. It's weird because I didn't think it would ever happen to me. I thought I was... I mean, I imagined if I ever imagined someone getting manip- manipulated, it's like... I imagine it like men in black where the alien takes over the person's body and the person has no thoughts of their Mm -hmm. own, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But I was still cognizant, Mm -hmm. you know, and I thought that these thoughts were my own. He made me feel like these thoughts were my own. Mm -hmm. 
and maybe second guess my reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's scary about it is like, you may not know that it's happening to you. And you have to, you have to be cognizant enough to, to say, to pull yourself out of it. Well, and, and one of the, yeah, self. one of the things that they say to, that helps counteract it, and one of the things that we, we teach is developing a strong sense of self, but then also working on clear communication so that if you say no, it is listened to. Yeah, that was not a, the case. Right. And then to go, hey, the person I'm with, I'm saying no, and they're not listening. I need to pay attention to that. And not just keep telling them no and expecting them to listen, but maybe say, okay, well, we have to go talk to someone else together so that you can learn how to hear my no or something, you know, to get them to stop the control. Not that they stop it, but I mean, just like to get the control to stop, to get out of the relationship, to say like, hey, that's not okay. Your narrative isn't the way that we do things. It's we have to find what us is, what we do. I didn't know who I was. And I think it's so important for people to figure out who they are by themselves. What do you think? And I was so young that I had no clue. I had no clue. I had been in this two-year relationship with someone else, and I did everything with him and his friends. Do you think that, that I mean, and, and no fault on mom and dad, obviously, because they can't control you either. But if they would have said, absolutely not, you're not dating him exclusively, end of story, period, lock the doors, lock the windows. No, I still would have done it. Yeah, you were kind of a hellion. wasn't but not a hellion but like you were not hellion that's not what I meant more like you were very first for not knowing who you were one of the things you knew was that you were going to do what you wanted to do yes yeah I still would have done what I wanted to do yeah or what I thought I wanted to do I think mom dad did a good job of like trying to love you how they knew how to love you and do what they could do but I that was my perspective I don't know no, I agree. I think they did great. So let's talk a little bit about how you could get out of it. If that were to happen. Um, breaking up in one quick conversation. Um, I will tell you a really quick one because I had a gaslighter. Do you remember the guy I dated in Las Vegas? That was, well, I guess I dated a lot of people. But this was one of them that was kind of a quick one. The one that said he was a prophet. Yes. Forget. Well, I spotted him as a gaslighter after a little while um, and knew I needed to break up with him. And I remember calling him to break up with him. And he said something like, you know, you're just a little girl. And one day you're going to wake up and realize that you're just being so immature. And this is just something that you need to grow up and do. Basically, I think meaning like get physical and you know, me and my goals, <laughs> we were, we were not about that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, sorry that that was a joke, not like a, a slam or anything. It was just that I was, I was really uptight. <laughs> Is that a nice way to put it about myself? It's really uptight. So straight-laced. Yeah. <laughs> so straight-laced. Um, And I, to get out of that relationship, I literally just was like, you're right. I am. Oh my gosh. I'm such a square. I'm so boring. You're right. Blah, blah, blah. Because I didn't want to have a conversation. I was like, you just need to be done. Like, I will agree with you. I will do whatever. Just be done. Get out of my life. Delete my number. Bye. 
I had to run into him a couple times on, well, quite a lot on campus after that it was very scary. Very scary. Okay, one key successful split with the gaslighter is to make fast, ideally, make it fast in one single conversation. Tell them it's not working, the relationship is over, clean, straightforward, direct, boom, done. I don't know if that would have worked in your situation, but that's kind of one of the ideas is that you hopefully will spot it and get out. Make sure you're done. Um, one thing that I want to just kind of highlight here as we're kind of wrapping is that I, I know that these types of stories as well as anything on Dateline NBC or that all those uh, true crime podcasts, like these are the types of stories that we hear. And then we just say like, I'm never going to date. I'm afraid of everything and everyone. And so I'm just going to stay away from dating. So I want to hear a little bit about how you can identify, how you identified your sweet, good husband to date because he's awesome. He is the best. I just feel like I got lucky. I don't know. Well, um, I mean, he's the sweetest. He's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very open about my relationship previous. Mm-hmm. And I think he saw that I was a little bit broken. Mm-hmm. And I was. Um, but also that you were not just that. Like, there's so much more to you than that story. And I yes. think that what that's one thing that I really like about um, your hubby is that he just, it's like he knew he could see all of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, he was just different than anyone I had ever met or dated. I think, I feel like he was like, I like you. So what? And you're like, I like you, but I'm this and I'm that. And I don't have that or whatever, like oh, whatever I protests you would put up. He was like, whatever. I remember saying to him, like, I have so much baggage. Mm -hmm. I have so much baggage. And he was like, that's fine. He's like, so should I put it on my right shoulder or my left? Yeah, basically, <laughs> truly. He's like, so can I carry it for you? Mm -hmm. Like, how can I help you with that? And I was just like, so accepting and loving. And I think he just, just allowed you to be who you are. It was like the baggage got set down and it was like, just be free, be who you are. It was like, yeah. like a light turned on with you. And he like helped me figure out who I am too. Mm -hmm. Like, because I didn't know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't know I had been so manipulated for so long that it's like on a runaway bride, you know, how she takes her eggs. However, her, the guy that she's in a relationship with takes her, takes their eggs. Do you know what's so that? funny is that I had that particularly that eggs, I had that same problem personally. Yeah. We might have to unpack that a little bit and together and see like why. Because I think our parents did a great job raising us, but for whatever reason, I was like, I don't know who I am when it comes to dating. Yeah. And I didn't know who I was at all. And I think he just was willing to figure it out with me. Mm -hmm. And was great. he's very patient and so patient. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like I just got really lucky, honestly. <laughs> you did, but I also think that that's a, a, a credit to you. I mean, I don't think you just, I don't think you just like, you don't attract someone that's that amazing with just being like, my baggage, come date me. My baggage and I'm depressed, come date me. <laughs> <laughs> really you know? fun sometimes. No, like I think that you, you, sh you know how to show up and you know how to like care for someone and like take on his stuff too and just be a good partner. So even if the previous relationships you had maybe, well, not maybe, were enmeshed and 
I'm so sorry you had to go through them. You do know how to, you do know how to, um, be with a good man, mm-hmm. you know, and, and cherish him and like show up for him and care about him and care about his stuff and like be there for him. I think our parents relationship helped me a lot with that. Yeah. Legit seeing that and how our parents treated each other was really helpful. Yeah. Super helpful. Yeah. It was hard to ever end up with a bonehead when you're like, I don't want to be miserable forever. <laughs> yeah. Or well, like, I don't want to fake everything all the time. Yeah. Like I thought that's what I would have to do for the rest of my life. I just thought that I'm just going to be fake forever. That would have been awful. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't. Oh, me too. So one of the best things that I ever learned in my dating years, what came from Elisa Goodwin Snell. She's a dating coach. She's local. And she talks about looking for empathy, impulse control, and personal responsibility. And she talks about people getting like an A minus B plus on those characteristics and how that's how you can sniff out someone who has longevity or someone who is just wanting the hot ticket, the here and now. And that's foolproof. As far as I've seen, you, you, if you look at someone, they can't make it between six weeks and 12 weeks without some of that kind of crappy behavior and not passing that test. And it doesn't mean you have to marry that person that has those characteristics. It just means that that makes them more dateable. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll talk more about that in a future podcast, but just something to kind of look on to give people some hope so you don't stay stuck in fear mode because on the other side of it is an opportunity to be married um, if that's what your choice is and find somebody that you want to um, go through life with, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's happy times. It is. Thanks for joining me today. I know this is really heavy, but I think that your story will help a lot of people. So I appreciate you being brave. Well, thank you for having me. Yay, I hope sister. You put a trigger warning at the beginning of the podcast. Oh, I will. I should definitely do that. Okay. Peace out, all my little relationship listeners. Um, Good luck, everyone. Yep. You're not a chewed piece of gum. <laughs> Never. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Dating Counselor podcast, where I help you build a successful relationship. It would mean so much to me if you could rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast so that we can change the way dating is happening and everybody can have a successful experience. If you do, please send me a screenshot. I would love to see your review and share it on my social media. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one. Peace and blessings. This podcast and the social media associated with it represents the opinions of Lonnie K. Harmon, LCSW, and her guests to the show. The content here is intended to be psychoeducational and should not be taken as specific mental health advice. The content here is for informational and educational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your mental health professional for any mental health questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are her own and that of her guests to the show. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. Privacy is of of utmost importance to us, 
All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect client confidentiality. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapist-client relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast, please send a message to Lonnie at Lonnie at MillCreek-Counseling.com. That's Lonnie, L-O-N-I, at MillCreek-Counseling.com.